Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Hey folks, Tom Merritt here, host of Know a Little More. Not all of you are longtime listeners, meaning you haven't heard all the episodes. So, between batches of new episodes, we re-release some of the older ones. This episode is about DNS and was originally released August 20th, 2020. We made some very small changes to the wording, but it's mostly the same information since the original episode. Enough of the preamble. Begin about DNS. Maybe you keep hearing people say DNS or claiming DNS isn't really secure. You know it has something to do with domain names, but what is it? Let's help you know a little more about DNS. DNS stands for the Domain Name System. It's essentially the system that lets you type Google.com when you want Google search, rather than having to remember something like 142.250.68.46. That string of numbers there is an internet protocol address or IP address. That's actually how computers on the internet talk to each other. They identify as numbers. Domain names are associated with those numbers. When you type in a domain name in a browser, the browser goes and looks up in a table which number, or more often range of numbers, goes with that domain name so it can find it on the internet. It's the same way you would go to your friend's name in your phone's contact list to call them. You don't usually tap in their phone number by hand. The domain name system provides a worldwide distributed directory of which domain names go with which numbers. It's not just one table anymore. It's lots of tables on lots of servers around the world. So DNS also defines a communication protocol for how all those directories communicate with each other so that any computer can find another on the Internet. Now, it did start as one text file called hosts.txt on a machine at the Stanford Research Institute developed and maintained by Elizabeth Feindler. She mapped host names to the numbers she found in the assigned numbers list handled by John Postel at USC. That file lasted a long time. Feindler and her team managed that list for the ARPANET and later the Internet until 1989. But along the way, that host table became slow and unwieldy. So Paul Macapetris took on the task of automating it and published the original spec for the domain name system in November 1983. Four UC Berkeley students wrote a Unix implementation of the spec called the Berkeley Internet Name Domain, or BIND, B-I-N-D. And BIND is still the most widely used DNS software on the Internet. Yes, it's been updated several times since it was first written. The domain name system itself is made up of multiple domains. The most familiar is, of course, .com, but there's also .org, .net, .rfr, .biz, and on and on. Each of those domains has an authority responsible for assigning domain names
names and mapping them to the corresponding numbers. Each domain has multiple name servers that you can call on to find which domain name goes with which IP addresses. But it's not just one server with all the addresses. In fact, the process involves different servers for different parts of the domain name. You see, the domain name itself consists of multiple labels. Let's take www.knowalittlemore.com as an example. The rightmost label is the top-level domain, .com. Each label to the left specifies a subdivision. So the first to the left is Know a Little More, which is the domain of this show. For websites, usually the last label to the left is www to specify that you mean the web server on that domain. So when you type in www.knowalittlemore.com, you go to the website for knowalittlemore.com, not the email server. If you're thinking, I don't ever type in www, well, that's because browsers can add it for you, and you can configure your name server to assume www is meant if they don't type in anything else, like say SMTP for email is to the left. Each label in your domain name can have up to 63 characters. A full domain name with all subdivisions can't be longer than 253 characters in text or 255 octets of storage in binary. The characters in a domain name are officially A to Z, 0 through 9, and the hyphen. However, the Internationalizing Domain Names in Applications, or IDNA system, can map international characters into this set so locals can use their own alphabet. Each domain, like .com, .uk, etc., has a set of authoritative name servers that are either primary or secondary. A primary server has the original up-to-date copy of all domain records. Secondary servers communicate with the primary to automatically update. In practice, information is cached to speed things up, and you're almost always calling on cached information when you browse. But let's pretend there was no cache available, and you want to go to knowalittlemore.com. The request would start by finding the closest root name server. These are spread throughout the world. The root name server would direct you to the nearest .com name server, and that server would then tell you which IP address goes with knowalittlemore.com. You'd check there to find out which server is the web server at www.knowalittlemore.com, and potentially with more complicated requests, you might go onward until you get the exact server you're looking for, like if you were looking for the email server. With all these intermediaries, it's possible for malicious actors to figure out how to insert themselves and give you the wrong IP address for a domain that would then take you to a malicious version of the site that might look like the real site, but infect you with malware or something. So... Domain Name System Security Extensions, or DNSSEC, requires each level of DNS server to digitally sign its requests to assure they haven't been intercepted. It's deployed at the root level, but it has not been fully deployed across the system because of complexity and also reasons. As I said, in practice, so much of the process is cached that root name servers get a very small fraction of requests, otherwise they'd get overloaded. Records may be cached in your browser, in your router, by your ISP, and so on. Cached records have a time to live set on their records, so they are forced to go and update and look for changes regularly, so they stay pretty well up to date. The name servers record more than just domain name and corresponding IP address. It also includes mail exchanges, known as MX records, domain name aliases, known as CNAME, as well as responsible persons. If there's, in fact, there's even a real-time black hole list, or RBL, for combating spam. 
and it can do more than just tell you what domain names go with what address. The DNS can provide the IP address that is closest to the requesting computer. This function is essential to cloud services and content delivery networks. Netflix doesn't have one machine at Netflix.com. It has thousands. And the domain name system is the first step in routing your Netflix app to the closest set of Netflix servers so you have the least delay in getting that episode of Stranger Things. Okay, so I know a lot of you have questions about registering domains and how that fits in, so let's touch on that briefly. Uh, registrars. To register a domain name and get its record created in the DNS directory, you need to deal with an official domain name registrar. The registrar is different from the registry. Each domain, like .com or US, has a registry. The registrar is contracted to handle requests for domain names and collect and verify the information that is then entered into the directory by the registry. Registrars can and do charge fees for all this. And yes, registry and registrar are different and really should have been named something that made them a little more obvious. Let's use an example for .com. Authorized registrars, like say Hover.com, must pay the registry... In the case of .com, that's VeriSign. The registrar also pays a small administration fee to ICANN for each domain it handles. The price the public pays the registrar, Hover.com in this example, is these fees plus a little bit of markup. The maximum registration period is 10 years, though some registrars offer longer periods by legally binding themselves to renew the domain at the end of each 10-year period. There are usually more than one registrar per domain, and in fact, registrars usually handle more than one domain. Registrars can also authorize resellers as affiliates. So there you have it. You pay a registrar to register a domain name with a registry, and then when someone looks up your domain name, the domain name system directory, or likely a cached copy of it, will point a browser to the IP address of your web server. In other words, I hope you know a little more about DNS. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.